Welcome back to Heart to Heart. This is episode three, and I have a very special guest with me, my sister Miriam. Hey, yo. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have Miriam here. She definitely really inspired me to get this podcast started because she started her podcast, Faking It, yes. this summer. I started in September. September. Like three months ago. And she really did all the research figured all the editing out and was an incredible little sister and talked me through the process, which I was really concerned about <laughs> all the technical stuff. Yeah. So big thanks to Miriam. Let's give her a little shout out. Oh, thanks me. Out of applause. <laughs> so Miriam has an incredible podcast. She talks to really inspiring people. Definitely check it out. And one of the topics she recently shared was about her eating disorder yes and i think that's something that's really relatable to a lot of people totally and you guys should definitely give it a listen but if you don't mind telling me a little background on what you're dealing with when it started and then how long you've been in recovery now yeah so my eating disorder started when i was about 17 years old i was living in san francisco i gained a lot of weight because i started eating not kosher food and I stopped exercising because I was on, I was playing a lot of sports by like in my last year of high school. But then I sw- started building apps every single day and like coding. And I was just sitting on my butt the entire time and trying pulled pork and <laughs> like having a grande s'mores frappuccino every single morning, plus a like bacon, egg and cheese sandwich from the bakery and just eating tons and tons of food. And I just naturally gained weight. And it was my first time ever like gaining a lot of weight and just feeling really uncomfortable in my body. And I guess I just wanted to lose this weight. And I thought that the best way to do that, I tried exercise, but it was too slow. And the nearest gym for me was a mile away and I didn't like having to go there. And so I thought, let me just try to develop anorexia just for like a month and not eat food just for a month. And I eat only 500 calories a day. And I literally said to myself, like, I'm going to make, I'm going to develop anorexia just for a month. Oh my God. That's I know. So scary. <laughs> yeah. I told myself that and I was like, just so I can lose this weight and then I'll eat normal again. And I'll like have that weight that's gone. But I didn't realize, and this is a pro tip for anyone who thinks like that. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you could like stop eating food and you start to actually develop it, it's very hard. What I learned is to get out. And so that was a problem. I did lose all this weight. Because I'm so, as you know, I'm super regimented. I created this like schedule. I had these like X's on the calendar of like, okay, today I did it. I only ate like Soylent and like two protein bars. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then when I like lost all the weight, then I, I, it was very difficult for me to get out of that mindset of not eating food. And that's kind of like how my eating disorder started. And I had that eating disorder until I would say I was like 21. Uh, now, since I turned 21, I've been in like real recovery from my eating disorder from ages 19 to 21, I like just tried to get help. So first two years loved my eating disorder. Like I had one and I loved it. And that's a lot of uh, experiences that eating disorder people have too, is that they know they have an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. but they don't want to change because they're like, this is making me how I want to be. This is good. So I had, I was in that for two years. And then I hit a point where I was like, actually this sucks. Like I'm, I'm feeling guilty all the time. I feel uncomfortable. It was you you wanted like the pushing of you to continue being the eating disorder was number one, how you felt. And was it also how people were responding to you? What, 
like what was the positive parts that kept you in this really not that it's a positive thing but I'm saying from in your mind at the time what was keeping you there I think I like it wasn't even like male validation it wasn't really that because in that time I wasn't even dating anybody I was just working really hard okay but the thing that was keeping me there was my own image of what perfection was to me perfection wasn't just being a hard worker being successful it was also looking a certain way and I hit that I looked the way that I thought I was supposed to look skinny pretty you know, like put together. And so that was, that's what was keeping me there was my idea of what perfection was. And then I remember, I don't know if it was at that time or like around the 17, 18 time seeing you, like not seeing you for months because you weren't living in New York. Yeah. And then you coming back and you're like, so, and and first I think you were thin and like, you look great. And I was like, wow, like you look amazing. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that is scary for people on the other side looking back. Yeah. Like how to not, how you want to, if someone does look, you know, does lose weight because they are unhealthy or they are overweight. Yeah. You want to promote that and be like, wow, you look so good. But at the same time, I feel like that pushes people who are in an unhealthy mindset to be like, oh, wow, people are complimenting me. Right. I need to be thinner. Because at what point did you go? Because I remember you went from being thin to being scary. Yeah. Yeah. So how is that? What's that process like? I think it was just me continuing my eating disorder. I think it was just really a matter of time because that's another thing about eating disorders too, is that people don't really think that you can be chubby or be overweight and have an eating disorder because they judge eating disorders based on body size, but that's not necessarily the case. Eating disorders a lot of the time are just not eating food and you can still be super heavy because you binge and purge and then end up gaining weight from your eating disorder. Can you explain... As so I didn't know that this was a thing to okay. me, eating disorders until being educated by you was being anorexic or bulimic. Okay. I had no idea that binge eating was an eating disorder. Yeah. And I don't even know what purges to this day. Is yeah. that like that's throwing, throwing up, up after? That's okay. Bulimic, so bulimia. can you explain what binge and purges and how that like is connected? Yeah. So my eating disorder, I was never technically diagnosed, but from the people that I've spoken to, they said I had a OSFED eating disorder. And what that is, it's kind of this cycle of anorexia. So like not eating enough food, then your body hits this mode of like starvation and like animalistic, like I have to eat food right now. And then that's the binging where you just eat tons and tons of food uncontrollably. And then as an eating disorder person, you feel really bad that you ate so much food, then you throw it all up. So that's like, it's a cycle. It's like a circular cycle. And then you throw it all up, but then you feel bad for eating all that food. So you go back to not eating anything. And then it happens again and again and again. And so that's actually one of the most common eating disorders that exists right now is this OSFED eating disorder. And so people don't tend to just have anorexia or bulimia or binge eating. It usually tends to all combine together. I remember seeing you at your point when you were so, so thin. And I remember saying to you, like commenting something like, is everything okay? Yeah. How, and obviously that did nothing. So how, as an outsider, if you see someone who you feel like is experiencing some sort of disordered eating, whether it's binging, bulimic, anorexic, what would, in your experience, or what would you say is the best way to approach them that maybe they'll listen to you? I think there's no way to get them to listen to you. Okay. So the way like I think about it is the only thing you can really do is be emotional support. 
Unless it's like super serious, like this person needs to go to a hospital because they're like okay. legitimately that killing be, themselves. That was my follow up question. Like, yeah. when do you ask other people for help? Like, reach out to their family right. or professional. So help? I think it's just when you like talk to a friend and they're just legitimately not eating anything, and you see them like disappearing, get help. But if let's say it's like somebody that has like is has kind of an eating disorder, you're not 100 percent sure, and you want them to get help. I think the best thing you can do it's kind of the analogy I like to use is if, is if your friend is in some like emotionally abusive relationship, mm-hmm. a lot of the times when somebody has a friend that's in an abusive relationship, they get pissed at their friend for breaking plans with them for, you know, like not for still talking to their boyfriend for all these things. Mm-hmm. But the best thing you can do is actually just be there for your friend, okay. you know, and just wait until they end things with their boyfriend until they get to that low point. I think the same thing applies to an eating disorder. When you're in this mindset of, I'm not going to change. I like the way my body is. I like not eating food. There's nothing that you could have said to me that would have changed how I felt. I, but I do think that you checking in with me all the time and being like, Miriam, like you want to talk about food. Like what are your feelings around I, it? Yeah. I feel like I came to that realization yeah. more down the line. Yeah. But I think in the beginning I was like, what's happening? Right. And I was like, what's going on? And you're yeah. like, nothing, nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. And I guess, so you're saying that it has to come from you. Yeah. Cause then what that means is by doing that, like for me, when you would say that to me it make me think, okay, I have to hide this better. Mm. So that's like where my brain went. It was like, okay, I'm getting busted for this. Like I need to figure out how to not for people to not know. That's where my brain went. Okay. It wasn't like, oh, I need to get better or, or, oh, maybe there's something wrong with me. I knew there was something wrong with me. Most people who have eating disorders know that they have an eating disorder. I see. Yeah. So, but when you would say to me, like, or when somebody would say to me, let's talk about food, like, what's your relationship with food? Like, I'm not here to judge. You do whatever you want, but I'm just here to chat, you know, Mm. and just be that emotional support. That's the best thing you can do because like, this is what I do with my friends who have eating disorders. Like I know how to be the best support for them because I've lived through it. Right. And what I do is I say to them, I'm like, by the way, I know you have an eating disorder. (laughs) Just straight up. Straight up. And, and, And I don't know if everyone can do that. I was able to do that. I'm like, I know you have one because I have had okay. one, you I know, like so that's, that's a like different a different situation. So some people can say that some people can say, oh, like either. So maybe you don't say that. I would say that. And then I'd be like, let's talk about food. Like, I know you have one. It's all good. I've been through it, but let's talk about food. And I just want you to know that I'm here for you to chat about it. Like, okay. what do you how do you eat food? And, and the least judgmental way, like judgment is like the scariest thing for a person with eating disorder. OK, yeah. If you could put together a sentence, what would yeah. it be? What's your relationship with food like? Do you feel like people would respond to that? If they're your good friend, you should only even be doing this if you're like close okay. with this person. So like, what's your relationship with food like? Um, I just want to be here to support you in like whatever way, if you want to talk about it okay. and see if they're open to talking about it. And I would say, try to be open yourself about food. Like say, my sister has an eating disorder. And so I know what it's like to mm-hmm. see, to see, I know the signs because I'm like very in tune to them now. I see. And I just try to like, make it as comfortable as possible and then just talk to them about it and ask questions. Okay. Like I would say to my friend, Oh, so you don't eat that? Why? And they'd say, Oh, because that has like polysaturated fat. And this is like, I wouldn't eat peanut butter because that's polysaturated fat and oh, almond wow. butter is only monosaturated. <laughs> this is something like somebody would say to me, you oh, know? Well. And I used to also be like, that. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't Google it. I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> so, and just be like, okay. And just like, oh, but what about like, I don't know, just like be an open soundboard for this person um, and just like check in with them because it's really good. How often would you say you think it's best to check in with someone? You have this conversation. They're now aware that 
you're aware yeah. of that there's something wrong. Yeah. At what point do you check back in? I think like just either if you're noticing that they're like eating worse than say something, but once every three weeks, once every two okay. weeks, you know, and just bring it up because this, even though it's annoying, it is good to be reminded that what you're doing is like kind of not good for right. the most part. So it's, it's good to bring it up as long as you do it in a really safe and comfortable and non-judgmental way. Like that's okay. the best advice I can give. And also encourage therapy. So like, yeah. I see a therapist for this, like you should try. And like, and just once again, bring in like my sister or my friend or my cousin has gone through this and saw a therapist and it helps. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to change your eating habits. It's just good to talk to somebody about it. So encouraging therapy is also a really good thing to do. Is too. there um, any like help that we can put into the comment section where like some, I don't yeah, know. So for me, I think all, actually another thing you could recommend, which is like a baby step okay. to therapy, which is what I did first. So something that I found really helpful before I saw therapists, like my baby step into getting help was actually listening to a lot of eating disorder recovery podcasts. Okay. And so I can definitely recommend like a lot of podcasts that we can put in the notes for people yeah. that just help me. Like I read books about intuitive eating. I decided I wanted to get better. And my first step to that was just listening to these podcasts. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. I think by having, let's say a conversation with someone like that, you can say, oh, I listened to this podcast. It was really interesting. Yeah. And be like, here, let me share it with you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What are things you think people that are trying to support someone who's going through an eating disorder recovery or battle? Yeah. What should they not say? Yeah. They shouldn't comment on their body. Um, Just like avoid any conversation about their own weight and their own eating habits. Like, oh... Like, I feel so fat or, oh, um, like I ate so much or all these like kind of like food related comments are just best to avoid for the most part. Or like, oh, I don't want to eat that because extra like mentioning calories or just anything about their own body and the other person's body and food in general is just good to avoid. I know that's like a lot, but in all honesty, that is the best thing to do. And I think like in general, too, like the stats show that majority of women have some sort of disordered eating in America. Like I, can't I believe speak. that. Right. And so because of that, it's safe to assume that everybody struggles with their body in some capacity. And so I think looking forward, we should think about how we complement each other. Women tend to compliment each other by saying you look so hot or like you look so good or look like you lost weight. Like, wow. I think restructuring those kinds of endearment comments should change for what, women. What would you say are better responses or better compliments to give like if you want to say about like how somebody looks you can say you're glowing like you're like you look so happy glowing your energy is radiating like there's still like things you can say that don't have to do with like the person's how they look look. it's more what they're giving off exactly and i think there's other things we can say to people that aren't about their body because just this constant conversation and rhetoric and conversations around bodies just is one of the like reasons that just perpetuates this issue in the first place, I think. I think that I started having a open conversation with you about your eating disorder in probably, 
I think it was like 2020. When did I tell you I had an eating disorder? Like, when did I say it to you? I don't even know if you ever like. I think I did. Maybe. I probably did. But maybe if you said it, I was just like, okay, I know. Didn't make an impact on me because I was like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) I think I remember the biggest turning point for me. Well, again, when you were real, when you were had just started and you got like super, super thin, but I think you went into some sort of recovery mode that you stopped being like scary thin and you just became really strict on everything you ate. Yeah. And no oil. You would pat down all your vegetables. You counted all your calories. It was just very intense to be around you in a food situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I love food. Right. So we never would go out to eat. Yeah. We would, we never hang out in that way. Mm -hmm. But that was like, okay, this is Miriam's thing. She's just super healthy. And I think that at that point, I looked at you as, Hmm. okay, she recovered from her eating disorder, right. the anorexia part, but now she's just really, really healthy. And yeah. I find that to be annoying, but at least she's being healthy. Right. But I, I don't think that I realized that that was still you being sick. Yeah, totally. And that's another thing too. There's also another kind of eating disorder where it's, you are super strict on yourself with exercise and food. Like that regiment, right, regimented thinking is also an eating disorder within itself. I don't remember the name, but there is a name for that. And so I turned my eating disorder from like anorexia to that eating disorder as well. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I may be wrong, but I do feel like people who have experienced an eating disorder changes at times totally. and it molds into different things and totally. it evolves. Right. And I remember the first time that I realized like, oh wait, like she's not just healthy. She's still really struggling. Was, do you remember? Was the, spit food out or yeah. something? Yeah. So can I share that story? Yeah. Okay. Miriam and I are in the Hamptons. We, I remember it very clearly. So it really was the scariest thing I've ever, it was like, I had a so, full on eating disorder then. I didn't realize cause you were just, to me, you were just really healthy right? and you were strict on like being clean. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not like that, but like, if that's what makes you happy, I'm happy you're eating and yeah. you, you looked okay. You right. didn't look unhealthy at that point. Yeah. You were, you were thin, but I'm like, that's cause she eats so you know clean right. and she goes on runs and all right. those things I don't remember if it was like we were eating pizza maybe and uh, and you were eating and I was like wow like she's really come a long way in my brain she's really come a long way like she's doing so well she's eating pizza with us because you would probably in the past just order a salad yeah then I accidentally grab your napkin because you were sitting next to me and I pick it up and chewed up food fell down mm-hmm. and I freaked out in my, I remember like my heart like dropping and I'm like, I didn't even know what it was. I just thought it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember sitting at the table and I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to talk to her about yeah. this because like, I think that was food. Yeah. And I didn't even understand it. I didn't know that that was a thing that people did. Yeah. I wasn't around. I, I didn't know that people chewed food and spit it. Now I know that it's a thing. very pretty common, unfortunately. Yeah. So I remember confronting you. I don't. I hope I did it in a kind way. Yeah. Um, I think it was good. I don't remember it. So like, right. I think that's a good thing. The fact that it's not memorable is yeah. good, probably. I remember just saying to you, like, I saw that you had chewed up food in your napkin do you want to talk about it or yeah. what's going it on? And then you told me that not that you're still dealing with it. Yeah. And I do think to your point, just because someone doesn't look super 
isn't scary thin doesn't mean mm-hmm. they're not struggling with their food. Yeah. Yeah. And I think since then we've had a very open dialogue. Open dialogue. That's a yeah. good word. An open dialogue about how are you feeling? Right. Checking in. You had told me to check in, but not be aggressive about it. Yeah. And just to let you know that I was thinking about it yeah. or I was aware. Because it's good. It's really nice for somebody who has an eating disorder to know that people care about their relationship with food. Like, I really like the fact that you were checking in and that you were saying to me, like, oh, like, how's it going? Or I, I noticed X, Y, and Z because then I feel more accountable since I was already in recovery to actively continue my recovery. Because, like, when you're in recovery and you have that mindset of I do want to get better, that's when it's really good to have people check in with you and, like, ask about it because you're dealing with your relationship with food every minute of every day. And so it's nice to just have that support for other people to say like, oh, like, how's it going? You know, and that's why once like a friend of yours enters this phase of recovery, I would say it's very good to check in frequently and see how things are going for them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And what would you say is the best way to check in? Just ask about like, how's food today? Or like, how's it going with food? Just like really basic questions like that. How can I help? What can we do? Like, I think something that I told you is that going on walks after some meals is really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And I think once we did that in Miami or something, I was like, can we go on a walk? Yeah. You know, and that it really helped doing things like that. So just asking them, like, what are some strategies that I can help you with that when you you feel like you're in a low place can help you feel better? Okay. Like basic questions like that. As someone who's in recovery, what would you say is the best support? Because I know that I've spoken to you about it and, and you've relayed to me that once you have an eating disorder, that is something that's going to be part of your life experience. Right. Totally. It's not like you close the door, you move on. Right. It's similar, you know, if someone's an alcoholic and they're Right. And they're sober now. It still doesn't mean that they don't think about drinking alcohol anymore. Right. So you're in recovery now. You're yeah. in a very healthy place. Yeah. Still working on I'm it. Still working on it. I definitely feel like I check in. Yeah. How are you doing? And that's a very I'm admirable of you to be like, check in on me. See how I'm doing. Right. Ask me how food was today. Yeah. And that's holding you accountable. And it's telling me as a sister, how can I support you? Right. And that makes me feel better because I want you to be healthy. I want right. you to be happy, but I also don't want to trigger you in any way. Right. Right. So are there any other tips besides checking in that you think would be helpful for people who are in recovery? I think eating meals with people is very good from every single person I've spoken to. That's always been the best for them when they had somebody like kind of force food on their plate. Or just like normalize a certain amount of food. Like I always found for myself when I go to my friend's apartments and they give me like a piece of bread with butter on it and like two eggs, I'm going to eat it even though I I wouldn't necessarily make it for myself. I see. So I think like doing meals with friends is a really good way to support somebody who's recovering or like down the road recovering. Maybe not buying them desserts actually would be a good pro tip because desserts can be a trigger food for a lot of people and that, that might, maybe they're not ready for that. And it's better like for me, if I get a dessert, like I have to be super intentional about it. But if somebody like hands it to me, 
then I don't feel mentally prepared sometimes to eat it. And then I can feel really guilty about that. And so maybe like avoiding very like eating, giving somebody that is in recovery, a piece of cake is actually a piece of advice I can give Mm -hmm. too. just because like stuff like that require a lot of mental energy to be like, this is okay. Like, you know, I'm going to feel okay about this. And so if you're just kind of like ambushed with it for somebody with that's recovering, it might be very difficult. So maybe just avoiding like saying, oh, let's go to this like ice cream shop and ask them like, where do you want to meet? Um, I are see. some good ideas. And then I remember you also saying how having some healthy options, if we're going somewhere yeah. unhealthy, just so you feel better about balancing right. exactly what's going on. If yeah. we're at a pizza shop, let's also get a veggie exactly. if possible. Exactly. I think another really important thing is no matter where a person is in their recovery, it's really important for the supporting people to just meet them where they're at. And so what that means is if let's say like they're only eating steamed vegetables, then go to a restaurant that has steamed vegetables and help them just be comfortable with you around food because that's just like baby steps, you know, to helping them get better and just say, Oh, you're only eating this. Okay. Let's like go to a place that only has that. And I'll still eat with you and I'll eat what I eat. And just by having that exposure to being with somebody with other kinds of foods, it's still good for that person. Because if they're used to just eating in their home because they can only eat what they make in their home, this is a baby step to get them out of their shell. I see. You know, so I think it's just really good to meet them where they're at. And that's what I mean why I'm like, I emphasize being comfortable, helping that person feel comfortable. Because one of the things about eating disorders too is the fact that it's a secret. You know, I spend such a long time trying to hide it from my families and from my friends and that I went through this by myself. And it's so much nicer to be able to say, I just binged to somebody rather than having to feel that pain and that guilt on your own. Because then you're sharing it, it, it comes off of your shoulders. And how would, I, how would you want me to respond if you said that to me? We want to hug or anything like that. Just like be supportive and just be like, I'm so sorry that that happened. I'm here for you. I see. Okay. And just like by saying that, like you saying that and by me saying I binged, that's already like a huge, huge deal for somebody with an eating disorder. So I really do think that the best way to help people is just be there for them and help them feel comfortable with where they're at so they don't feel like they're keeping their eating disorder a secret. This has been so helpful, Miriam. Thank you so much for sharing this information. I hope that if anyone's listening, if they were looking for a way to be supportive to a friend that is experiencing this or they're struggling with something, we're going to share some helpful resources in the Mm -hmm. show notes. Listen to Miriam's incredible journey and experience and how far she's come. If you are in that place, you can get out. Yeah. Yeah. There is a way out. I think that's also something. Totally. It takes time. You just have to. It takes energy. Yeah. You just have to want it and you have to practice it every single day and slowly but surely you will get better. I was in a very dark place, as you know. So yeah. the fact that I'm here right now is like really, really cool. I got like boobs in a butt also, which is great. Yes, we so, love our curves. Yeah. <laughs> you thought that I was on like Coke for a while too. I did. When Miriam first started <laughs> eating food again, yeah. she had all this energy. And for the past few years, she was a very low energy person. Then suddenly she just had tons of energy and she was in college. And I remember confronting her and multiple times and times. And I'm like, are you doing cocaine? Yeah, because she was so, so much energy. I'd never seen it before. And I'm like, I know people go to college. They start experimenting with drugs. Yeah. And I remember saying, I'm like, just tell me, like, yeah. it's OK. I won't judge and you. That's I, why I was so pissed at you because you yes. really thought I was doing it. I was like, Marcella, I'm not doing coke. Like, stop asking me. Stop getting it out of me. And you're like, I don't believe you. Yeah. And it <laughs> took us time to realize that. It was just because you started eating food yeah. and you had energy again yeah. and you were a happy person. Yeah. Never, I hadn't seen that in so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
we are going to be doing our follow your heart segment where okay. we give some advice to people who send in questions. This person sent in, would you entertain a guy that takes two days to text you regularly? He's 37 and has a busy job. Mm. So what's your take? Miriam and I are both out there, both single yeah. and dating. Yeah. I don't like people who take that long to text back. I don't care how busy you are. It takes right. two seconds to give me a text. Yeah. I just think it depends how much you're thinking about this guy. Like if you're thinking about him and you're waiting for him to text you back, then it's not worth that emotional like instability over this man, like just like turmoil, you know? Yeah. You don't want to be dragging yourself down. Exactly. I think if you don't hear from someone and you're not seeing them, right. days can go by. That's not a big deal. But if like you send them a question and they take two days to respond. Yeah. That's disrespectful. That's yeah. So no. end it. But this question is perfect for you, Miriam. Okay. If you identify as a woman, how do you hit on another female? Because I, I don't at know. At a straight bar or at a queer bar? Let's say you're at a straight bar. Okay. Because that's harder, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, I feel like it's easy. Yeah. At a straight bar. I actually just did this recently. Okay. <laughs> I failed miserably. But you know what? You got to go for it. 100%. So. <laughs> Put yourself out there. I high-fived my friends afterwards. I was proud of myself. Good for you. But I just said... Like this, I don't know if this is super stupid, but I literally just said, what's your sexuality? <laughs> Whoa. What did, what did you say? I looked say? at them in like a flirty way and I was like, what's your sexuality? Like I said, like, hi, like we were talking, like, what's your name, whatever. And okay. I was like, by the way, like, what's your sexuality? I just like. <laughs> was she straight? And then she's like, I'm straight. Uh, sorry. And I was like, it's all that's right. That's a great compliment. Yeah. So, I feel like, why not? Mm -hmm. So that's it. And then I think I said, what's your sexuality? I think you're beautiful. I think that's Aww. what I said. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what you can do that. Say, what's your sexuality? I think you're beautiful. Another thing you can do is bring up that you're queer. And usually if you bring it up mm. and they're queer too, they'll be like, oh, me too. That's so a that's great what tip. I usually do. Okay. I usually say, oh yeah, like I'm somehow I bring up like, oh, I dated somebody or oh, like, I don't know. I dated Adam. I broke up with my girlfriend exactly. a little while ago. Exactly. You bring up see. that you're queer and see what they say. That's a great tip. Yeah. That's like my go-to, I would say. Thank you, mm -hmm. Miriam. I think that's very helpful. <laughs> and of course. Love it. So that is it, guys. Thank you, Miriam, for coming on. Tell us where we can find you, Miriam. Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Miriam Hart. Also check out my podcast, the Faking It podcast. Faking It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can search at This Is Faking It on Instagram to hear more about my eating disorder and sex and queerness and everything. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you. And guys, thanks for listening to episode three. Make sure you like follow, share, follow me on Instagram. All the information will be down in the notes and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.